The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Welcome to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend, and today we're going to be celebrating the 1989 world champion Oakland Athletics. As recently at the ballpark at Ricky Henderson Field, we celebrated one of the greatest teams of all time. And who do we have for you today? Ricky Henderson, Hall of Famer, Dennis Eckersley, Hall of Famer, Sandy Alderson, and also Walter J. Haas, former president of the Oakland Athletics. That's what we have for you today as I caught up with them on the field right before we were going to celebrate the 1989 team. We're going to lead off with the Man of Steel, arguably the greatest player of all time a two-time World Series champion, a 10-time All-Star, an American League MVP, 12-time stolen base leader. No one has stolen more bases, scored more runs, hit more career leadoff home runs, or stole more bags in a rate in a rate in his in a single season, I should say. Voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2009. He got 94.8% of the vote and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Here is my conversation with Oakland's own, the great Ricky Henderson. Arguably the greatest player to have ever lived, Oakland's own, Ricky Henderson. Ricky, hey, it is great to have you back on the program. Oh, thank you very much. You know, I didn't think I left, but I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> well, you've never left. You've always been an A. You'll be an A. The field's named after you, right? There you go. There you go. The field is uh, named after me, and it's, it's a great feeling, and it's uh, you know, I'm so blessed behind that because, you know, I would have never expect something like this would ever happen to to me or maybe to a ball player because I never have saw it happen that, you know, they name a field out of a player. Yeah, I remember talking to you and Dave Stewart at the same time about how you guys used to sneak into this yard as little kids, and now you're having a day like this. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, it, it was great, though. You know, like you said, when we was kids, we didn't really have the money or something like that for us to buy a ticket and then they had like a wire fence in center field and we got a lot of the kids together and we and we we had a plan that you know we can get in the ball game we, we bend the fence back but you know you got to get in and run you, if you get called that's, that's up on you so I, I think that's where I developed some of my speed <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I've been talking about this today and it's great you know knowing what an A's fan you are is we're now celebrating all the great teams, not only your team, and we'll talk about your team being one of the greatest teams of all time, uh-huh. 1989, but the way we've celebrated the 70s teams, and you watched those teams as a kid. Yeah, yeah, them some great team. It was, it was a fun to come out to see them team. I think they gave us the momentum. Okay, the, the, you know, the kids that were around, uh, an idea on if they want to play sport, to co- come and see them play and, and, and see how fun, much fun they was having. So it gave me a, a chance to go out and, and figure out that I can play baseball too. What, what was it like for you? You're in New York, you come back to Oakland, and you come back to Oakland to bring a world championship to your hometown. Oh, it, was a, it, it really was a, a blessing for me. It was a change 
I think I had been in New York four four years or so like that. And my last year on my contract, you know, I thought I was going to get a, a, a redid my contract. And, you know, I was pushing to get a new contract. And it was taking a while. And I think when I was going out on the field, I was trying to uh, do too much and I wasn't doing doing anything. So, you know, I would, really wasn't that happy. And I think I got new life when the A's decided to trade from me. And I got new life and, and came over to a great team that, you know, was well uh, balanced, and, and they was looking for a spark plug, and I think I gave them that spark plug. Well, you think about great teams of all time. You played against them. You've won championships with multiple teams. But just talk about the greatness of the 1989 team, which I think is truly one of the greatest teams to ever lace them up. I, th- I think, you know, that team was uh, really special. And, you know, you know we played – outstanding on the field we played together but the 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 biggest part about that I think we had built a a family relationship with each and one another we seems that we uh help one another for us on the field and often feels that you know we got the opportunity to when we go on the road trip we always had a team uh dinner or a team going out on the town and and having the fun but we always seems that we was together with one another and that's what made that team so special you guys were rock stars yeah i mean when, when, when you think about it ricky i mean you guys were rock stars you were the you were the biggest thing in sports yeah we were the talkers. so everywhere we went you know we had everybody you know talking about the A's. so if you say we were a rock star we was you know that special team that you know we brought attention to the fans all over the baseball so it was fun that just you know when we go into a different town the fans was pulling for us and 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 some of the fans was you know not pulling for us but when we went out there and played the game right the right way they seemed to get on the bandwagon with us when you got here it had to be like there's nobody's gonna beat us right did you guys have that mentality nobody's gonna beat us i think when i got here they they felt uh uh they had the team that, you know, they can go out and pretty much compete and nobody would beat it. Then when I came over there and, and, and gave them that spark plug or I was that guy that can get on base and create stuff, then we felt that, you know, it's no way can anybody beat us. But we went through the same situation when we was in uh, Cincinnati and we got beat. But, you know, we had a little di- uh, hiccup or something like that. I think Hosey got so mad, uh, him and Tony went on the same page and, and we couldn't even uh, – uh, put that piece back in the puzzle. So I think that's what destroyed us in, in, in that series. What was it like playing for Tony La Russa? Oh, it was great. You know, he, you know, he was a, a big-time strategy-type uh, manager. Uh, he knew the game, and, uh, you know, he knew his players, you know, his players around and what they can do and, and what they can't do. And, and, and each and every day, to me, it was always funny that, you know, I used to come to the ballpark, and uh, and I see Tony, and, and here goes uh, – uh, let me look into your eyes. And he's looking at the eye, and then he goes, oh, you're going to have a good day today. We all right. We're going to win this ball game today. I said, how can you tell we're going to win the ball game? He said, where well, yeah, your eye looking at me? <laughs> so he was always coming and, and seeing how, how we feel, what was going on with us, and he always seemed like gave us that little boost. Carney Lansford on the show yesterday said, every single day taking ground balls, Tony, Tony would come up to him and go, you ready today? Yeah. <laughs> every, he said every day. So he, he, which I think is, you know, we're in a people business, right? I mean, uh-huh. you got to manage the people. Yes. It seemed that Tony really went out of his way to reach out to you guys every day. Yes, to see how we was feeling and, and, and really what was going on that day. Uh, you know, like you said, you know, as you're getting your work in and, and, 
and how you feel, you know, and he always had the positive attitude of what we was going to do. Uh, you know, you're going to have a great day. He always gave us that little extra boost. Now, you're still with the Oakland Athletics, and, and I know we all appreciate it. What is it like for you now to take your expertise in this game and pass it down to the younger generation? Oh, you know, it's great. That, you know, that's, the, that's the, the beauty about it. I think when I was coming through the league and uh, the veteran guys like that, I used to always go up and talk to me, and they gave me the knowledge for us to go on out to making me the players I was. So I just like to go in and share my knowledge of, of, of what players is going through and if I can help them in a way and then I'm, I, I got the time to help them and I always tell each and every player I'm around so don't be afraid to come and talk to me because I'm a really uh, a talkable person and, and if you need something I can help you I'll be willing to help you. You think we'll get back to a time where we start seeing more stolen bases again and we start seeing more productivity on the bags? I hope so you know I, I hope so I think the game have got away from uh, uh, <clears throat> the fundamental of the game of how to win a ball game. You know, we used to do a lot more button the guys over, hit and run, a lot of time to sque- squeeze. I think they got away from that, that type of uh, baseball. And I'm hoping that it's come back that to, how to create uh, to win a ball game. Right now I think we're trying to beat the shift. And, and, and sometime in my mind I'm, I'm wondering if they playing the game to win or they just playing the game to see what they can get out of the game, see can they beat the shift and stuff like that. I think if you played today, mm-hmm. leading off hitting 40 home runs a year, uh-huh. launch angle. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I'm so uh, hard. I'm so hard on the launch angle because I don't think every every player should be working on a launch angle because they're not that. Some players are not the type of a player that you know, like a home run hitter, and we all get in the launch angle. You know, you see a lot more home run now. Maybe I don't know. What the reason the pitcher said the ball is, is a lot harder than it used to be, but uh, to for me to go to the minor league system and try to teach the kids about a launching and they don't even know how to hit a baseball, I think that's sort of like putting a lot more pressure on the young kids that they learn them uh, the way we was taught for is just, just to hit the line drive, you know, not worry about the home run or lifting or something like that. Be able to make good contact. You know, I think about you as a man of the community, as I've seen you for years at Raider games, and you're around, whether it's A's games, Raiders games. I mean, Oakland, you, you're such a big part of what this is and, and this celebration today, 1989. Uh, the field's named after you for a reason. Uh, I can say it's probably named out for a reason because, you know, <clears throat> I always got into the, uh, the fans and I got into the community because, you know, I think, What's so special about as great a ball player we is, but uh, I don't think we can play the game, enjoy the game, if we didn't have the fans behind us. It's pulling for us, pushing for us, and loving us at the same time. Well, it's always an honor to have you on the program, one of the greatest players to have ever lived the Hall of Famer. Go enjoy your your, your, your teammates because we're celebrating truly one of the greatest teams of all time. We always appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Ricky is the absolute best. And, you know, when he comes over and gives you the time, such a cool guy. And, you know, Ricky is just a man of the people. I can't tell you how many times I've seen him at Raider games and he's hanging out with people in the stands. I mean, he's just, he's an Oakland guy. It's what he is. He doesn't, he's not big leaguing anybody. It's Ricky being Ricky. But what, what, just whenever you get a chance to talk to arguably the greatest player of all time, that means something. How about one of the greatest relievers of all time? Dennis Eckersley came over to the Oakland Athletics trying to find his career. And boy, did he find it. And he turned himself into a Hall of Fame pitcher. 
He already had a ton of wins as a starter, but it was all these saves that he would get, 390 in his career. That would get him elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2004, where he got 83.2% of the vote. Yes, a first ballot Hall of Famer. A World Series champion, American League MVP, American League Cy Young Award winner, six-time All-Star, two-time AL Rolades Relief Man of the Year, two-time MLB Saves Leader, pitched a no-hitter with Ray Fossey catching back May 30th, 1977. He's in the A's Hall of Fame, the Red Sox Hall of Fame, and the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he's one of the coolest dudes ever. The great Dennis Sackersley also from the Bay Area. Here is that. Well, he's one of my favorites all time. A Bay Area guy and a Hall of Famer. Truly one of the great pitchers of all time. Dennis Eckersley is here to celebrate 1989 and what a year it was for you and your teammates. This is going to be a special moment today. It is. It is. I mean, I think the older you get and, you know, you get away from the game for a long time, not playing and and to look back. And, and, you know, I played a long time and only one world championship, one out of 24 years. So it's meaningful to me, to say the least. And because of the Bay Area. Yeah, you brought a championship home. Yeah. You know, looking back at that, you know, that year, I mean, we were so hungry to win that championship after the uh, Dodger series the year before with the Kurt Gibson thing. For me, personally, yeah. I mean, I was grinding. Luckily, I only had to grind for one year. And it all ended well. You know what I'm saying? Look, not so much, you know, obviously the earthquake was devastating. But they continued that World Series, and we did win it. And for me, personally, you know, getting the last out, the last out at first base, I had the ball and the glove. I mean, it does not get any better than that. Right? Well, and also because you grew up going to games at yes. Candlestick Park. Yes, back in the olden days when it was freezing there. Not that it wasn't then, maybe. But uh, that's my memory. I was a giant fan, you know, Juan Marichal. That's why I had the big leg kick, Willie Mays. And then to have the one world championship where I, you know, I'm in Candlestick. I got the ball, last ball in my hand. I mean, it meant, it meant the world to me. I can tell you, you were so loved by this fan base to this day. I mean, we think about this 89 team. You guys were rock stars. <laughs> you were guys, you know, how, how we see the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you're working in Boston now, the Patriots. Yeah. You guys were like an NFL team. You guys were rock stars back then. I guess, you know, you get looking back on it, you know, because we had the, the Bash brothers, right? We yeah. were like, and we come to town, and Ricky could style, you know. He'd, we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot of swag, right? And uh, I was a part of it. I think when you're in the middle of it, you don't think of it like that. But, when I, but at the same time, we took a lot of pride in being, you know, playing for the A's and coming to town. You know, here we come, and we're going to kick your ass, you know. And that's, uh, you know, looking back at it, I, I, I just fond memories. No doubt about it. And, and, and you talk about the disappointment of 88 just made you got you were not losing in 89 right. it didn't matter who they put in front of you yeah. you weren't losing it's easy to say now that we did win it but it all came together it just did in 89 that it didn't in in 88 and there's a lot of different reasons for it who knows but you know the greatest teams in the world just if they don't get it together in the playoffs they're long forgotten right if you don't win the whole thing it's all got forgotten and uh thank goodness it all came together because we swung the bat is what we did. And Ricky was the man. I think he was the difference maker in 89 because we got him in June, I believe. And he just put us over the top. You know, he gave us, we, we had the power, you know, but we didn't have that. Those are the games you could win two to one, one to nothing, because just Ricky, a Ricky <laughs> run would win the game. 
And then we had starting pitching that you never see anymore. That's, that's history, right? Nobody pitches like that. 20-game winner, two 19-game winners. I mean, starting pitchers that got wins. That doesn't happen anymore. And then the creation of really what Tony La Russa is all about. You know, the game's like this because Tony La Russa did this whole thing. I mean, he was an innovator with this bullpen, you know. Piecing the last game together. Now they piecing the whole game together. Uh, you know? I know, I know. And, and I talk about because I was in high school when you guys were doing this. So it's like yeah. you guys are that team. You gravitate to greatness, and you guys were that team. And I think of what Dave Duncan and Tony Larusa did for your career helped you pave the way to go to Cooperstown. Yeah, I mean, I was put together. The stars lined up for me, man. I was done. I came from the Cubs. I was a lamb. I was sizzled. You know, I was about done. And I, they, I found my way to the bullpen with those guys that knew what they were doing, and it gave me, it gave me life, and it gave me, you know, this, the time I spent with Oakland. Turned my whole career around. I mean, a lot of people involved with that. So I was blessed, man. It was, it was supposed to happen, and here I'm supposed to be here right now. Yeah, no, yeah. I, and I know you got to leave, and it's always great to have you on. Hopefully we can do something down the line a little bit longer. But just truly as somebody – that, as you said, blessed, and to do it in your hometown, family, today, what does it all mean for you just to be back today here, back home and back with your guys? You know something? It's just happening now. I mean, I have a hard time with, with the moment. The older you get, the, you realize how precious the moments are, and this is a moment, right? This is a moment. It's not, I could be cool. I could be, I should be, I'm Mr. Cool, man. Everything's cool. Meanwhile, hey, you got you to gotta feel it, you know? Because these are precious moments, and this is my, my lifetime in the Bay Area. This, I'm, a, I'm a Bay Area kid, you know, that hauled ass, and I've been gone like 40 years. <laughs> and it means more to me now than it probably did then. Well, you know what? Yeah. It's always a, a pleasure. Continued success with the broadcasting. Go enjoy your guys, and you we'll talk to you soon. Right, enjoyed it. Thank you, man. It still doesn't get as – it doesn't get cooler than Dennis Eckersley. Every single time I get to sit down with Dennis Eckersley, it's like you're a little kid. And when he starts talking, and oh man, Eck is the best. Now we're going to hear from a man who was the architect of building this great 1989 team. He's a Dartmouth graduate. He's a Marine. He fought in Vietnam. He's a lawyer. He's one of the best executives in the history of the game. He also worked for the commissioner's office back in the day. And now he's back with the Oakland Athletics. The guy who gave Billy Bean his shot will always be a big part of A's history. Sandy Alderson joined me on A's Cast Live to talk about the team he built in 1989. Sandy Alderson is with us here on A's Cast Live. And, Sandy, uh, not a bad little office we have to celebrate your uh, championship <laughs> team in 1989. No, this, is, uh, this has been great seeing uh, all the uh, former players and Wally and some of the staff. Tony LaRusse is here. Uh, yesterday was incredible with that crowd here. Fortunately, the result on the field wasn't great, but uh, we had a good time and really happy to be back. Before we talk about 1989, what does it mean to you to be back with the Oakland Athletics? Well, it's full circle. I, uh, of course, started here uh, almost 40 years ago, and um, when Billy uh, called and offered me the opportunity to come back, I, uh, given everything else that I've done and, uh, um, you know, the opportunity to, to come back with this organization that I very highly respect um, in its current iteration, um, you know, it was, it was an easy decision. So I've really been pleased. I've enjoyed the year and uh, working with, um, uh, you know, Billy and David and 
Bob Melvin and the rest of the crew. crew it's uh, It's been a lot of fun. Did you realize back in the day when you were passing the baton to this guy who was an outfielder, he was a really good athlete, he was pretty bright, could make it in the big leagues, that all of a sudden years later Brad Pitt's playing him in a movie, there'd be a book <laughs> about him. Did you have any idea how this would play out for Billy Bean when you passed that baton on to him? No, I don't think anybody did, but, uh, but I had confidence in his ability. Uh, Billy's a smart guy. He's... Uh, curious um and uh so from that standpoint and passionate about the game so from that standpoint i knew there were good things ahead but uh obviously didn't know the uh contours of that uh, future but it was uh it, you know it's been a great run for him and uh um it's interesting that uh you know since i started in 1981 to this point really only been three people uh, responsible for baseball uh, here. Myself, Billy, and Dave Force. So um, there's a lot of continuity here as well. Yeah, and, and throwing Charlie Finley running the team from Chicago. Yeah, right. <laughs> Through MC Hammer, <laughs> yeah, his top I mean, lieutenant. You can't make this stuff up about the A's, right? It's crazy. You cannot make it up. So I think a lot of our young fans listening, they don't under – you know, they're used to – Let's call it Moneyball. They're used to what the A's are today. But back when you were running the team, we're talking about the highest payroll in baseball, the expectations to win the World Series every single year, every deal you were making was to win the World Series. What was that like, late 80s, early 90s, running the athletics? Well, first of all, when, uh, you know, the run-up to the World Series years, there were, <clears throat> you know, we, we had some success in 1981, but uh, between 81 and 87 I think in 87 we broke you know we were we were a 500 team there was a lot of uh, development that took place um, there was a learning curve for me and a few other people with the organization there was a development of the farm system um, and we got to uh, you know ultimately got to the World Series in 88 with that disappointment um, did a little better in 89 got back to the World Series in 90 and I think what happened was that uh, you know the ownership really wanted to keep the team together. There was more than, it was more than just dollars and cents. Our highest payroll, I, I think we were uh, the highest in baseball at one point, but it was like $45 million. So, you know, there wasn't that much of a gap between us and everybody else, but, but you know, the Haases wanted to keep the team together, and uh, so that's what got us to that point. Um, but there was an expectation. We were very disappointed in 91. Disappointed again in 92 that we didn't get to the World Series. There was a period of, you know, five, six years where uh, we did have very high expectations. But uh, I didn't feel any great pressure. We were just, uh, you know, perking along and uh, doing the best we could at the time. And uh, things worked out. We had, you know, an outstanding manager and field staff. We had good players. And uh, we had great support by the fans, too. You know, I think about the hammock bone. Like, none of us really knew what the hammock bone was until Jose Canseco broke yeah. it. And then I think about trading for Ricky Henderson. When Ricky shows up, Jose's back, what was 89 like as you're heading to the postseason? Well, I don't, re I don't recall there was any great conflict, but we definitely, you know, had a, a rock star 25-man roster. That, that's what made it fun. Not only were we winning, but we had a lot of – personalities bigger than life personalities uh some would say notorious you know in other in other cities because uh nobody really liked us that much but um you know when you had a team of uh stewart 
both Hendersons, Dave Henderson was, was a terrific player and a terrific person. Uh, Dave Parker, you know, Canseco, McGuire, Eckersley, um, and even some of the lesser um, players, lesser role players, like Gene Nelson's here today. Uh, with the, I mean, he looks like he's right out of a uh, um, southern rock band today. <laughs> but, but uh, anyway, it was a, it was a, it was a great group. And of course, we had the disappointment in '88, so there was always concern about uh, where we would end up. But uh, uh, notwithstanding the earthquake, from a baseball standpoint, the season ended on a high note. Yeah, and and, and one of the things I think people don't think about enough is. Yeah, like Eckersley now is a Baseball Hall of Famer. Dave Stewart, there's going to be the big announcement today, and, of course, he went into the Hall of Fame. But these were guys that weren't stars then. It's like you brought in players, and Tony La Russa and Dave Duncan turned some of these guys into the great players that they became. The, and, and that's now like the revolution in baseball is player development. Well, you were doing that. You were bringing in players who needed a change of scenery, and your guys helped made them better and made them what they are today. Well, one of the reasons we got Tony in the first place is because we had a great farm system at the time. We were developing players that ultimately became, what, three rookies of the year in a row. Um, but then on top of that, we did bring in players that, um, you know, had been overlooked or released um, by other teams and turned them around. I mean, Eckersley is a perfect example. Dave Stewart, as you mentioned, is a perfect example. Um but we brought in some other, you know, unheralded players that uh, Storm Davis um, ended up, you know, winning almost 20 games for us. So there were a lot of those guys, uh, uh, Tony Phillips, um, just a number of them that uh, really benefited from being associated with our staff and the organization. Yeah, it's heavy hearts when you bring in, when you start talking about Dave Henderson and Tony Phillips and, and Bob Welch. It's sad that they're not here to yeah. be a part about, to be a part of this. But obviously, they were a huge part in this championship. Oh, they were uh, terrific players. You know, my my history with with Phillips went back to 1981. I first got here 81, 82, uh, when when uh, Billy Martin was still the manager and sent him out uh, one day for not showing up to practice on time and. Uh, so I, I developed a relationship with Tony, you know, as early as 81, 82. Uh, Bob Welch was the subject of a big trade that we made um, prior to the 88 season, I think. And uh, he was a terrific guy and, and a real personality, too, that didn't always show up on the – it didn't show on the field, but he was a terrific, you know, personality in the clubhouse. And then Dave, Dave Henderson, I think, may have been the heart of the team. I mean, he was the guy that amongst all these – big personalities uh, kept things real. He had a personality of his own, but he kept it uh, in perspective and usually uh, in the clubhouse. But he was he was a terrific guy, and I think one of the keys to the, to the success we had. Hey, thank you for stopping by. I, obviously, it's a big moment for you and your team. Go enjoy this with these guys, and a, a very special moment as we're truly celebrating one of the great teams in baseball yeah, history. Yeah, thanks very much, and let's let's win one today. Huh? Yeah, the okay. great Sandy Ellerson right, joining us right here on A's Cast Live. It's great to have Sandy back in the fold. And our last guest here on A's Unfiltered, Walter J. Haas. The Haas family... I mean, we talk about it all the time, what great owners they were. 
And what they did for the Oakland Athletics, what they did for the community, what they did for Oakland, what they did for the East Bay. And they brought that championship to Oakland in 1989. And Walter Haas Jr. is going into the A's Hall of Fame coming up here on September 21st. His son, Walter J. Haas, who was the president of the athletics back in the day, he was here for the celebration 1989, and we got a chance to talk to, to Walter J. Haas about his father, the family's love for the team, and about the championship year. Oh, what I think, what an honor this is for the Haas family and being a part of this. How are you? Great, Chris. Nice to be here. So for your family, what does this mean to come back and celebrate this team as your family brought a world championship to to oakland it's pretty special and um uh, mixed feelings on one hand it's so great to be with everyone and just sort of is it also reminds us that three of our very special players on this team and people yeah. were no longer with us but it is it, it was such a special time in our lives and in the in the ownership of of the oakland a's to see this team that was truly after 88, I, I, I would put this team up with anybody. Oh, there's no question. I mean, the talent I, is unbelievable. And it was just beyond that, just a, overall a really good bunch of guys, and frankly at the time probably rock stars in many ways. And, uh, you know, I, I think about – I think back to it, and, and I think, gosh, we broke the A's attendance record, and I think the following year after 89 we actually broke the American League attendance record, eclipsing the Yankees. So it was just a very special time in our lives, and I felt very fortunate to be a part of it. You know, I get calls all the time about your family. The Haas family, everything they did. I mean, it, it was such a special time where, as you mentioned, they were rock stars. They were the biggest team in baseball. And I, you know, I've been talking today about Jose Canseco. I mean, Jose Canseco was a superstar. Yes, he was. Right? And yep. like, like the way we view football players now, that's ho how Jose was. And, and just to think that, you guys were a part of that, and your dad's going into the Hall of Fame this year. Just just what is that going to mean for your family? Well, it means a lot, and uh, I, I, we're very grateful that, the, that this ownership group and this management is bringing back some of the greatness of the Oakland A's that, were, that, was, that was here. And for me personally, uh, I know my dad would be really touched and honored if, yeah. if he could be here, and so we're very grateful for it. And I think... Honestly, I'm not obviously not objective, but I, I don't think anyone would argue that it wasn't deserved for, for him. I think, for, in my opinion, frankly, he was the gold standard for what a community would hope for and an owner. He cared the most about winning, and to the point, some would say critically, we had the highest payroll in baseball in 1990. And that's not something to be proud of, but he wanted so badly to keep this team together to have the best chance to win because he wanted then for the community to feel like it was their team. And so I think he checked an awful lot of boxes. You know, think about how crazy that is for young A's fans to think about having the that's highest right. payroll in baseball to where I remember, you know, we got to that point to where all of a sudden you had like, Will Clark got three million. Kirby Puckett got three million. Well, now Jose Canseco's getting four million. Ricky's getting four million. These were A's players who were the highest paid yeah. guys in baseball. Well, no, and that, I, I, you know, it's. I had a great owner. I had a great partner and in, 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 in boss, 
in that it's, it sort of carries over from Levi Strauss where there was a tagline that quality never goes out of style. And that's the way he felt we should build this franchise to have the very best, you know, front office and farm system. When we, when we bought the team from Mr. Finley, I mean, we didn't even have the minimum number of minor league teams. We didn't have any coaches or scouts except at the major league level. And to go from there to have three rookies of the year, it's a credit to Sandy. It's a credit to my brother-in-law, Roy Eisenhart, who helped develop this organization. And then with Sandy, who's this lawyer, and he comes in and becomes really the, the poster child for the next stage of baseball and analytics. It, it, it was a very special time, and I felt very fortunate to be a part of it. What were the negotiations like with, with, uh, with, with Finley? Uh, they were pretty amazingly. <laughs> well, so one of my jobs the last week before we were supposed to close was literally to babysit Mr. Finley in Chicago because his – sort of experience was if he had a deal he would then try to shop it for a better one and so I literally tried to babysit this 70 something gentleman who had a quadruple bypass and he was crushing me every night on Rush Street he, he and, and right to the end we didn't know if, we, if this was going to happen but it did and uh, I think frankly his, his wife who wanted not a half a baseball team but wanted the proceeds from it was probably the real reason it finally happened. I mean, it, it, it really, I mean, he's got to get his due. I yes, mean, he does. Uh, he ran a baseball team in California from Chicago and was in the playoffs from 71 to 75, won three straight World Series. It, it really, the story hasn't been told enough about just how crazy Right. The whole scenario is, and will never happen again. Right. No, there's um, there's so many stories behind it. You know, that during that those incredible World Series teams, they said, well, no, they didn't even sell out the Coliseum. What people didn't know is there was a stack of orders for tickets, wanting tickets for the World Series, but he didn't hire anyone to actually service those orders. <laughs> so it was a little different than what you would do. <laughs> we inherited four front office employees. To a per four. Four. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so the bar was low on that side for us to, to build something. And uh, again, we, we, it, it, it worked out pretty well. How happy are you that the A's are finally really going into their past? Not just when you guys own the ball club, but even into the 70s and really appreciating and celebrating the greatness of this franchise. Well, of course, I. I think it's fantastic, and as you said, Chris, there is some great history here in Oakland that, frankly, before this management and ownership team didn't really want to celebrate, and I think they wanted some distance from our family for whatever reason, and so I'm thrilled that fans today are getting to see and and, and learn again from a very rich past, and of course, it was a great time in the late 80s and early 90s during our period, and... um, so it's, it's special to be back today. How tough was it to give up the team? Well, it was a, t- it was a time of, of loss for me. My father was, was dying of cancer. And um, so both trying to sell a team at a t- that time and losing my dad was a very tough time for our family. It was the r- it, we understood why it needed to be. And to credit him again, it was right after the World Series had been canceled, not exactly the zenith of interest in baseball. Um, and yet he insisted that we keep the team in Oakland, therefore take a lesser amount of money because he felt that this is so important to the community as a community asset. And so I'm thrilled to see current ownership trying to 
to build a new stadium and going, threading the needle, if you will, to try to get that done so it can happen. I'm so glad you said that because, like I said, our fan base just loves your family and what it did for the A's and the fact that you're looking at what current ownership and, and really what Dave Cavill is doing. Right. To, to solidify the A's finally in Oakland forever. We don't have to talk about the conversation of going somewhere else and, and building a ballpark that's not going to be on the taxpayers. Exactly. No, it's a credit to, to, to ownership and to management. I'm very supportive of it. it, it to, to me, it carries on, the, frankly, the legacy of what my father was trying to do because otherwise I think it would be one of those things where people wouldn't know what they're missing until it's gone, particularly when you lose both of the other professional franchises. It would just be a, a it would be really unfortunate. Yeah, I, I, I still believe there's a lot of people that – haven't come to the realization that the Warriors are gone and the Raiders are leaving and this is it. Yep, yeah. And I always, through all of the, the Raiders' machinations, I always thought, you know, okay, there's eight. And I know, I love and understand the Raider nation and their love of, of the Raiders. But how many games is that a year versus 81? And, and, the, and the amount of tax revenue and the amount of people that are, high, you know, work because of baseball, let alone just the enjoyment that baseball can provide people. Are you going to give the speech in September? I am. I'm going to try to, yeah. What do you think that's going to be like? It's going to be short. I can tell you that. Uh, no, it's going to be emotional. And um, it just, you know, it will remind me of, a, of somebody that I care deeply about. And a, a very special time. It really was. You know, you win a world championship. That's what it's all about. Enjoy today. Thank you, Chris. Your family deserves it. We truly appreciate it. Appreciate it. Have a Be great on. time. Thank you. I can tell you this is definitely one of my favorite A's unfiltered. Because when you can sit down and talk to greatness like Ricky Henderson and Dennis Eckersley and Sandy Alderson and Wally Haas, it doesn't get any better than that. I hope you enjoyed it because celebrating the 1989 team, you know, as a kid growing up in high school, during that time, and the A's were kings. I mean, they were rock stars, absolute rock stars. They were the team you wanted to watch because they were the best. Hope you enjoyed A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 